Our first guest today needs no introduction. Please welcome to the show for the third time, Mr. Robert Patterson. He is the author and blogger of the website set-jetter.com, and we are here kicking off the Halloween season in style with the maestro. Welcome back to the show, Robert. So good to see you. Thank you. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. It's, uh, it's another Set Jetter Saturday episode, which are um, my favorites to do, and I feel like we always get into so much, and I always... Whenever I re-listen to the show, I always have uh, so many more things that come up in my head that I, I wish we talked about. So they're they're just they're great shows. So I really appreciate you coming back. Oh yeah, because I think afterward, I, I think I told you I was like, oh, I forgot to talk about Carrie the musical uh, during our Carrie episode and what I, uh, they had a uh, they of course the the Broadway version uh, in New York was is just pretty famed for its kind of disaster. It closed after a couple nights. Um, but then the Los Angeles theater uh, brought it back, I think it was 2015, and uh, kind of they at, dropped some songs and added some songs, but it was an amazing performance, and that theater just went all out. The whole, uh, I call it the basement, but below the stage, um, they had like uh, the, the Bates pig farm and buckets of blood, and they had Carrie's bedroom, and they had uh, confessionals, um, and so they just literally went all out. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, you mentioned that after the show, and I, I can't believe they did all that with the blood and then the lights changing different colors at certain, like, points yeah, with the so, elements. Yeah, um, the, uh, for, the, for the stage play, or it's a musical, at, rather, and so, um, of course, they, uh, it was set up like a gymnasium, and then if you are in the lower four seats, there were four sets of bleachers that, that moved around depending on what was going on, and they would move you around. And anytime Carrie was using telekinesis, they would shake they, uh, oh my gosh! And uh, I remember one of the most amazing things because uh, the, some of the special effects were pretty good. I remember there was one part where Carrie was singing and she was lifting different items in her bedroom, and I was like straining. You know, I was like five, six feet away, and I'm straining. I could not see the wires. So I was trying to figure out how they they did it. Um, but the best, yeah, how do they do that? Uh, it, part of it was and then I was able to look closer, and some stuff was coming up through the table. Some stuff was on wires. Um, and so they, it was just, uh, it was almost a theater in the round. It was like a three quarter round, I guess you would say that, uh, but so a lot of it took place in the middle of the stage. So, so during the dance, uh, you were right in the middle, like they were dance, kids were dying right in front of you. It was just, uh, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And the, uh, so Billy is a little bit different because I was like, Oh, what are they, how are they going to do all this? And, uh, so Billy Nolan, uh, a, a rope came down and it kind of, drew him up and hung him and Chris uh, uh, her death was probably the best I was just uh, I get I was flabbergasted because I was not expecting it um, so she comes in uh, after she kills Billy and uh, 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 Carrie just does her telekinesis and Chris kind of backflips up and over the audience outside of the proscenium and she was gone uh, she was on wires and I didn't realize it at the time and I just remember I was like black jawed and it looks like like the matrix style of her like flipping over in the air yeah oh absolutely yeah wow um, that's amazing like, well, why don't they do that why don't they keep doing that the, i don't this know musical? And so i don't know i so i was so glad i went i was just like um hopefully they they would kind of bring it back i don't know if it'd be that level of production again yeah i mean if they can do a bronx tale with Chaz palmetary of a one-man <laughs> play we can do carrie with oh, the yeah. that's i mean that's pretty amazing i'm not knocking bronx tale but like Carrie, it sounds amazing. So the one in New York was was awful. Yeah. So it was. Um, uh, they they started. They did uh, workshops in London, 
Um, and then they kept the same Carrie, and then uh, Betty Buckley took over the role of uh, Margaret White in New York. And I think it was only open three nights or th three nights of previews, and it was just um, people didn't quite know what to do with it. And so there, there's some um, bad uh, underground uh, recordings out there. There's some videos as well. And actually, they just did a oh, Carrie yeah? a reunion about a month ago uh, with Betty Buckley and every all, all the cast to kind of re-talk oh. about it uh, again. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm glad you remember that. We brought that up because you mentioned that after the last show, and then I was like researching and looking into it. Um, and that's that's pretty surreal that you got to see that in Los Angeles when, during so, its run. So lucky. So lucky. Was the time? Did you come out here just for that, or was the timing good? Um, when you I think were it was around here? Halloween. I think I was out there anyway, and um, I would have made a special uh, a trip for that. So, and I think I might have shown you some pictures. I mean, the doors to the yeah. theater all look like uh, the. The gym doors that the kids were trying to escape and it's crazy talk about an investment too into uh the production like that yeah. that's what you want to see yeah you know because you can tell when they what's that with broadway closed I, I don't know if they're ever going to put that much money into shows again i don't it's it, i don't know what's going to happen with broadway being closed so long yeah i mean it'll be a long time before we you see that kind of scale again how do you i mean how do you do uh Say, do that safely. If you social distance in, in Broadway, you're losing a lot of money. Their whole thing is built on selling every seat for every show. It's like factored into the budget. Yeah, it was a thin margin to begin with. So I think what oh, we'll yeah. have is you'll just we'll we'll go back to super simple plays and non extravagant, uh, non high dollar investment uh, in in different plays and, and musicals, and, and we'll just kind of start over again. Yeah, that's a that's a sad thing too to think about that industry. Because it was already not doing great. There are certain plays that bring in, a, you know, ginormous amounts of money, but overall, like that's a struggling industry anyway. You you really had it's it's fight or flight a lot of times. Um, but I do hope you know things turn around and we can get that going. Um, I want to bring this up. I know we want to maybe talk about Psycho. We were we were going to do that last week, and I'm sorry I had to cancel. I had a an emergency. Um, with it, with one of my pets, and uh, but I want to I want to bring up um, Children of the Corn because I know you've I'm I'm looking at your page right now. This is actually one of the first entries I think I ever looked at on um, your website, and I really love this movie as a Stephen King purist. Um, it's it's in the canon of things that I just love. If it wasn't Stephen King, I I, I probably wouldn't like it as much. So I'm a little I'm a little uh, partial. But I wanted to ask you, in Children of the Corn, because you filmed, you were at, you got the sets on here, and this was filmed in Iowa. Yeah, in about three, three, four different towns in Iowa, uh, for the most part. Okay, the main street was in Hornick, Iowa. Yeah. Okay, so I, I mix the towns up sometimes too. You, you, I mixed the state up last night. I was texting Robert. I said, uh, yeah, they filmed in Indiana. And you're like, it's, it's Iowa. And I was like, yes, completely different state. It begins with an I, right? Typical West Coast person. <laughs> yeah, just stupid. Just dumb. It's filmed in Hawaii, right? Yeah. No, no, it's in Georgia. Uh, but the, uh, I feel like this movie, which has the least favorable ratio of high synth music to children screaming, because, you know, they, ne they can never really get the sound right in a lot of these old movies because yeah. they would just put a track over it and it wasn't properly mixed. So 
it starts off with a lot of like a lot of like you know synth music and then it gets low sound isn't great in my opinion but my question is to you about children of the corn um do you, what is your biggest flaw with this movie um I, think I, I can narrow it down if you want. Okay. What is your biggest flaw plot-wise with this film? Um, I, I guess as a Nebraskan, I was like, it was never quite that believable to me in some parts. But um, or why I can't remember. Do they do they try to get their way out of there, or they they just they're invested in it? They 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 bring that kid back, and they just they're not going to leave. I think. Yeah, yeah they're invested. Yeah. Otherwise, most people would just hightail it out of there. <laughs> right. I think <laughs> I, I the thing that bo- always bothered me the most about Children of the Corn is that the kids were able to murder the whole town. Okay, I, I get it. And by the time they get there, Linda Hamilton's character and um, uh, the, the guy the guy that plays the actor, the, the lead character, Bert. Uh, what's his name? His real name is Peter. Is that right? Oh, Peter Horner. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they get there. How long do you? What do you think the time lapse was by the time the murders happen and the time these people show up? Like six it, months, maybe. It, yeah, it can't be much because those kids have not aged yet, and and I think what you're probably getting at is nobody has noticed. Exactly. This town can't be in such a bubble uh, that nobody else has noticed. Exactly. It's a small town, but it's not a one-horse town where there's like three people living there. There is a police department. There are stores, which means there are deliveries that have to take place, fuel deliveries, grocery deliveries, product deliveries. I'm sure all these people, a lot of them have relatives outside. There might be some bills not being paid. Um, There could be uh, people passing through. Um, I just find it so, and I know that it it ruins the whole plot line, but I I just find it so, like, the only thing that really bothered me was that they just got away with this and, like, that was it. It just sat there. And their explanation was kind of like, well, we'll change the town, the signs around the town to say, like, Gatlin's this way and yeah. three miles that way. But I just found, like, uh, I don't know. It, it, it had to be no more than a few months. But yeah. you would still they, have some kind of delivery driver notice something's not right. Or, like, they haven't heard from somebody or something like that. Right. And the, the, the electrical grid, you would see that the power's not being used by you know, uh, who's ever monitoring the electrical grid in that area. It's just, uh, I don't know. It just bothered me. And I know, I know I'm looking into this too much. Am I, do you think oh. I'm out of line? Hitch, now, Hitchcock would call that, I think he called it the water cooler moments, where the next day, after you're seeing a film, you're like, wait a second. Why didn't they do such and such? Uh, so at the time, you're just watching the film, you're enjoying it, and you're not thinking too much. Um, but he always, I think it's that, that he called it the water cooler moments, where the next day you're, you start picking it apart, and you're like, why didn't grandma notice that nobody was responding or, you know, different things? Yeah. And I know, I know it's, I know it's suspended belief and you just have to enjoy it for what it is and not nitpick because it is, it is an enjoyable film in my opinion. And I do like the short story, um, a lot, but I just always felt like, I don't know, like they, they, they knocked out the police chief and what did they know that there's some kind of medical facility close by that maybe yeah. doctor, I, I just don't, I don't know. And it was 1984. If it was 1954, you know, there's there's right. more isolation, you know, at different times. Certainly, this I don't know even know how this would translate in 2020. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like it would have to be a microcosm 
of something smaller. Like maybe instead of a town being wiped out by kids, it would be like a school. Wiped, like they get rid of the teachers and they take over. Something like that. I, I don't know, but I feel like the whole town thing would work better like in the 50s. The um, that you you visited Children of the Corn. How long ago were you in this in these on these sets? Uh, and actually, I visited a couple times. So one was probably eight years ago or so, and then I went back a couple years ago with my little brother through Big Brothers Big Sisters. So he's a big horror fan. So we made a road trip up to oh. uh, uh, kind of up the interstate to a few towns to to check it out. He's a big horror fan, and he has you as the big brother? Yeah, just by luck. So we've been matched six years, I think. So he's 16 now. So, um, so yeah, we just just by luck, we have a... We, they made a good match there, for sure. That's amazing. That's good for him, too. And cheers to you for doing that. That's, that's incredible to do that. Um, but to get you for that, that's like a win-win. It's not just somebody that's like, oh, yeah, you like horror? Yeah, we can, uh, <laughs> we can watch Scream. Yeah, let's watch Scream. I mean, what better guy to have? Like the website and all the work that you do? Yeah, yeah, no. So he, he definitely enjoys it. And a lot of these movies are just way old school for him, obviously. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I get the allure of kind of some of the movies. But they're, they're still into Freddy and Jason. They kind of get some of the iconic characters. So I made him watch Still Around the Corn before we went. So we had some reference to it. What, is, what did he think about it? How did like kids these days like take seeing this for the first time? They're gonna like. Uh, he's gonna. It's slow. You know, not enough is happening. <laughs> yeah, and don't I, I never. And I'm not knocking on Children of the Corn. It, it is one of my favorite horror movies ever, and I do love the source. But the ending always bothered me because, spoiler alert, they're uh, you know they defeat everything. They get rid of Malachi. Get rid of Isaac. Blow everything up, and then some girl tries to attack Bert, and he knocks her out cold. And then he's like. Well, I guess we'll just hightail it out of here. Right, and then the, it, yes. all of a sudden it says the end. Yeah. And you're like, ah, that was very forced. Did you lose the tape, the film, and go, ah, just end it here? Sometimes you feel like they've, they've run out of money. and I, Yeah. And for sure, it's like, how do you... And obviously the special <laughs> effects are... They kind of fizzle when... But oh, yeah. it, it goes back to like he who walks behind the rose. It's much scarier when you don't... If, rustling corn and sounds are much scarier than when you actually see a... Uh, animated thing you know that that's not scary the thought that something's moving in the corn is scary and i think yes i think that's kind of one of the uh, it goes back to jaws and everything that the less you see is usually better less is more the house where the two children were like um hiding out in mm-hmm. you visited this is in um moville i think so no hornick iowa in the corner of moville blacktop yeah, there's three. There's three small towns, and they're all about 15 miles or so from each other. So that oh. all all consider were all made up Gatlin. They all each had different kind of pieces they used. This house looks pretty much the same, except for the exterior change with the colors, and they updated it. But the frame is obviously the same. And this is the house in the, the film Children of the Corn, where Bert and um, Linda Hamilton's character find. The kids like hanging out, and I don't remember if it was their house or they were just in there. But I think it was the two little kids' house. Okay, um, yeah, the parents. That's where they lived. And um, you were at this set. Does some was somebody at this film location? Was somebody living here when you came? The first time, yes. And they were actually working on the house, and I was kind of chicken. I was like, I don't want to bother him, so I just took some exterior shots. And um, sometimes you're out in the middle of nowhere. You don't. <laughs> I'm a little bit more cautionary. 
Uh, yeah. Second time, I think it was. You don't want to disappear. Yeah, I think it was not quite boarded up, but I, nobody was there. I, and so I would, took some more pictures kind of around the house and, and did that. Now, the interiors were shot somewhere up in Sioux City, Iowa, somewhere completely different. Oh, really? And actually, 95% of this was shot in Iowa, uh, Iowa but um, some shots were in California, in Santa oh, Clarita. Oh, oh wow. I got to find which ones. The... Um... Because this is like uh, the the location takes place in Nebraska, the setting, which is the greatest state in the union. Some say. Oh, maybe. <laughs> right. But the uh, what's cool is the um, in uh, Whiting, Iowa, uh, on Whittier Street, is the shot of um, the garage, and it's still there when you at least when you were there. It's like half the size. It it looks like it deteriorated and kind of fell apart. But you can still see the signage out there. Like they have this town hasn't changed a lot in forty years. Not much. The the diner burned down. Um, so the oh. diner that they, you go to a couple times. But uh, when Isaac comes up to the window, so that's why you see me in my Isaac hat. The reverse shots. The building I love it. Are, are I was going to bring that up. The Isaac hat. Maybe one of the creepiest shots ever. Because I still don't know. Was Isaac an actual child? The actor, or was did did he was he a man that? Had I think condition. he was a young adult by that point, if I remember that. So, and I've met a couple times at different conventions, and um, and Malachi, I can't remember his real name right now. So, was super nice. And um, were they actually, nice? I, I I actually wrote the article for Horror Solid Grounds for Horror Hound on Children of the Corn, and so they signed that for me, which was nice. That's pretty amazing. Was this a fun scout scouting location for you to embark on, Children of the Corn? Yeah, so some part, parts were a little bit... There, there was a website at the time that uh, identified a lot of the sites, um, but then, you know me, I try to find every single piece. And so some people, uh, my friend, actually, I couldn't find some of the silos where they're running at the end. And my friend that was with me uh-huh. during one of the trips just happened to spot them. And so we kind of zipped around uh, kind of where they're running. But obviously, movie magic, you know, they run one block and they run, you know, they're, they are some, they end up, in a completely different town on the reverse shot. Um, the church, oh, yeah. for example, um, actually I haven't, I didn't visit the actual church. That's in a, a completely different town. So every time they leave the church, uh, it's always kind of their point of view. You see a door open. Um, that's like a firefighter station now or something like that. There was no church ever there. Oh. They just put up a little porch and when they would leave, they were on a, in a completely different town than the church. Yeah. I think Rocky, the Rocky montage where he's running is like the most famous example of that. If you mapped out the, in Rocky one where he's doing the montage of him training, it, it was like a 21 mile jog. He went on in like a half an hour for that song. He's like at the Schuylkill river and then he's downtown and then he's South, you know, it's all over the place, but they did a good job with this. And I think children of the corn is one of my favorite entries of yours. I feel like you really did justice to the set and, um, you know, the, the side by side, of the shots, you can tell you did your homework with this because I'm not a set jetter, but I would imagine a film like this where there's a lot of rural settings, Google Maps or not, that's tough to really match it up shot for shot. It's not like a city where you have, you know, the Empire State Building in the back, and you're like, I just match it up. You, you, you're you're basing it on trees from 40 years ago in a lot yeah. of these shots. Trees How do you fire, do that? Fire a lot of fire hydrants, like some stuff that would just never move are typically fire hydrants. Um, yeah. And parts of these towns have changed, you know, um, buildings have come yeah. on, and so part of it was just kind of trying to match some of that stuff up. You do a great job. It seems like a lot of work. It is. It's like... A labor of love. The, 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 
the most fun is probably, I always say, is the chase, you know, looking for it. And I feel like by the time I actually get to the location, then it's just a matter of documenting. So some, sometimes sometimes that the fun is taken out a little bit, but sometimes it is, you know, and especially if you're with somebody and you're, you're taking pictures in front of that, the big yellow cement flagpole. Yeah. Uh, that is kind of, to me, is Children of the Corn iconic because a, a lot of scenes take place in front of there. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I always thought myself, if I were in that situation, I was like, they wouldn't get me. I'm, I'm an adult. I'll just kick their asses. And it's like, no, they, they wiped out a whole town. Like, they would get you. Kids are faster. They're really fast. They're really creepy, too. Have you seen any of the, um, the great sequels that they produced? Uh, I have. And I remember <laughs> I was I actually started working on locations for Children in the Corn 3, Urban Harvest. And, yeah. Uh, and, um, oh, Charlize Theron. I saw I think that. That's her first role um i don't think she even has a speaking part she just has a close-up she's one of the kids she's one of the children who is uh, charlize theron she's she's in i've seen that movie yeah it's just a brief couple you're right couple shots. Yeah, you're but, absolutely right um but then they they kind of obviously just, they're kind of like the silent night the lion nights they just kind of peter out and then i did see the remake with candace i can't remember her name from Canada. yeah yeah Yep. Yeah. And she's actually she played Sue Stone in the the Carrie one of the Carrie remakes too. So yeah, good point. The sequels don't hold up very well. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. I mean, and we have nostalgia for it because it was in the eighties. That you know what I mean. That yeah, yeah. Recreate that. Yeah, they did too many, and there there was a lot of nineties one. There was one where like Isaac came back, and I think it was like the sixth one. Um, they they really got sloppy with the sequels not i mean you can make that argument with any of the horror sequels but children of the corn was an isolated story that kind of like ended where it did they they kind of brought it too far i think where they're like going to chicago and at that point it's just kids killing other kids and stuff yeah. and, and and it's just not like good horror but the first one i feel like really captured the was still how scary stephen king you know he was still is verging on the height of his, I think Christine came out that year, and so uh, he was becoming insanely popular. So just by name alone, um, they they had a hit no matter what. Oh yeah, yeah, and the fact that they had the setting of a kid's wiping out a town and taking over—it's like Lord of the Flies on steroids—is great. But but after like six of these movies, it's just kids. You want you know you don't have a Jason. You don't have an antagonist that's truly scary. It's just a yeah. bunch of children, which I don't know. But I'm sorry to, to ramble about Children of the Corn, but I did watch it and I, I wanted to bring it up and get your opinions on this because uh, it's a really interesting um, uh, job that you did on this website. And listeners, go to set-jetter.com and just click on uh, the top of the page. There's all kinds of links. Go to uh, set visits by name. And you'll you'll thank me later. You'll, your whole day will be gone. <laughs> and also, too, I just to bring up and, and give you another compliment on the work you do. I was like looking around at some of your sets, and I saw you did Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, and there was the scene where they go to the um, like the general store yeah. outside. So I googled the address of like where that is. I was like, I want to see like what it looks like today. And you can it's still there. You can still see it. It's an abandoned building. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. 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 But that's really out there, like really out. I'm like, you really like your body transported to that location in Alabama. I think it was Alabama, right? Or that, Georgia? No, Georgia. 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 And you filmed that 
and it was like across the street from somebody's house. There's nothing around there. No. Yeah. You did a, you did a good job doing your homework because I don't I don't know if I would do that. It's, you're you're uh, with the good old boys down there. <laughs> yeah. Well, not not as scary as Texas driving around the back roads of there. But. Oh, I could I wouldn't. You're braver than I'll ever be. But, but you got uh, there. Yeah. So it is a and I I'm really strategic on my, my uh, mapping and when I kind of set out my day for sure. Um, but like I said, I think I said this before that when it comes down to it, it uh, this work is eighty percent driving. Eighty <laughs> percent driving and you're there for five minutes to take uh, a couple pictures and then you move on to the next. So. It's amazing you, you were able to pull that off because you, you did a great job. And that's just an example. I've looked at a lot of your catalog and it's pretty, um, it's pretty amazing that you got to do this. But I do want to bring up today is the uh, anniversary of the death of actress Janet Lee. 2004, 16 years ago. Of course, the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis and the iconic actress who appeared in the film Psycho. Which uh, I'd like to get into if you uh, would be so graced to bless us. Let's with do the, it. Uh, yeah. So la- last month was the 60th anniversary of the film, which is crazy to think. But I can't believe that too. 60 years since Psycho. Because even as a kid, um, it was you know it was before I was born, obviously. Um, but I never really thought about it. But 60 years is crazy because that was a movie like my parents were like, "That's the scariest movie ever." Oh, yeah. You're not allowed to watch it. Do you remember yeah. how old you were when you first saw it? I can't remember how old. It was on PBS, and it was I think it was around Halloween time, you know, and, and so I remember PBS because there was breaks every 20 minutes. It wasn't like a normal every commercial, but I remember there was a break right when Janet Lee pulled up to Bates Motel, and then there was, I think there was a, a per, you know, a moderator in between. He's like, well, now we're waiting, you know, like, and stuff like that, so... And yeah. at that time, even at that age, everybody just knows the shower scene. Even if they haven't seen the movie or really don't know anything about it, people know the shower scene. I think people even today kind of know that's kind of what they think of the movie. So so that I remember that was the first time I saw it. And I don't think, I think the older you get, the more you appreciate it. Um, and in 1994, I saw it on the big screen with Janet Lee. Janet Lee came to Omaha with uh, Bernard Herrmann's uh, widow, and um, oh wow! And, which now I look back and I was like, I, I, I appreciated it at the time, but now I'm just like, oh, I can't believe. To me, it was just like I do. I knew this was happening. We bought tickets, and then uh, in between films, um, she was signing posters for free and and stuff like that. And she sat, I think, about four or five rows behind me during the screening of Psycho. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, that was just. A golden opportunity time. Yeah, how does that line up? Where she's, you're actually able to see the film, meet her in Omaha. Yeah, with her, and she brought her daughter Kelly Curtis to that one. And I remember that was the first time that daughter had actually even seen the movie. So, oh, really? Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so it lots was lots of chocolate uh, syrup. Yes, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so and then I think obviously, um, I don't. I, we shouldn't go into any detail, but na- analyzing the film because that this one has been done to death, or just as much as The Shining and and, and everything else. Maybe but, more because Psycho yeah. was an inspiration for a lot of those films. Absolutely. Although Shining is probably the most dissected. You almost can't dissect The Shining anymore. I, I think you now. I still see. You know, uh, I, I've seen it, The Shining twice on the big screen in the past couple of years, and I still see new things every once in a while. Yeah, uh, 
uh, Psycho, I think I might have ran out of uh, <laughs> seeing. You've seen it all. Yeah. Um, what's cool about Psycho, though, is it's beautifully shot and um, in classic Hitchcock. But one thing I didn't know is Hitchcock made this black and white and simple because he was so tired of the overbloated, um, you know, like Vertigo, these overbloated productions, in his words, that were just too much. And keep in mind, as we all know, at least I know you know, back in 1960, back in the 50s, it, it wasn't digital editing. It uh, what film companies can, today can shoot and then edit on Final Cut or Adobe Premiere or whatever they're using Vegas and turn it around in a day. Um, it would take weeks and weeks for a scene then because you're literally splicing film on a machine and on a floor. So to have these huge epics like North by Northwest, you're talking months and months of just editing through everything. So. From what I what I read, or an article recently on Psycho, right around the time last week of the anniversary, was he made this simple, like as a back to roots kind of thing, of like simple filmmaking, and it worked. Yeah, it does make you pay more attention to the characters, and not that color is an intrusion. And we'll talk about the remake uh, later, but um, but yeah, you're just focused on the visuals of the film and the characters, and so I think it's a super smart decision um it kind of makes it timeless in a way um to me that um the, the kind of the way it was shot uh in that way but it's glorious i just bought the 4k uh as well Ooh, it's, how's it look it looks great as obviously it, every time it's like you know remember i had dvd and then or actually i had laser disc and then dvd and then blu-ray and it's like it's never looked better and now it's kind of moved up again yeah, you still have laser discs. I saw your collection. They look the quality looks pretty tight. It does. So yeah, it kind of depends. So I'm getting I'm moving into a new house, and so everything is getting drug out, and I have all these laser discs. And I'm like, I need to purge some of these, and and I've been putting some on eBay, and then I think you probably saw uh, Halloween and Carrie. I put on just to see how they look, and it is still pretty good quality. But I was a laser disc enthusiast for sure because that was the first time. That was the only time you could get widescreen movies. Or yeah. the, the quality was that or VHS. And so, you know, know. VHS quality. So it was the first time. Still holds up. See, yeah. First time to see Halloween and widescreen was LaserDisc. Oh, the my gosh. Criterion LaserDisc. It was $100 at the time, which I'm not sure what that means for now. It's probably $200 uh, in 2020. Yeah. Um, it was, it was I, right before DVD. Not right before. It was pre-DVDs. And yeah. they were so cool. I had a science teacher that had LaserDiscs. And like you said, they're like a hundred bucks. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, how did you, how did you get this? And he basically was like, well, I used the loophole of their educational. So we got all these educational laser discs because that's yeah. what they came in. But he also would get like movies for himself. Oh, absolutely. And it, it, uh, commentaries, you know, this is what obviously you said pre DVD. So as a commentary with Jamie Lee Curtis, John Carpenter, Deborah Hill. Um, and yeah. They Included the TV scenes in, in widescreen, which had not been seen officially, even though my friend said it, uh, it sh did show up on a few VHS tapes. And uh, they had the, oh, wow. like the uh, Siskel and Ebert reviewing Halloween. So Laserdisc had all these extras that now we just kind of take for granted or is kind of going away again. But um, yeah, yeah so it, it was worth every penny. But and I actually ended up selling that Laserdisc because. Uh, I had a, that was one of my regrets in the past couple of weeks of everything I've been selling, but I was like, you know, I've not pulled it out in 15 years. Uh, let somebody else enjoy this for a while. Are you going through, uh, are you doing an inventory and doing a sale? 
yeah, so I've just been selling. Uh, I've been pulling out ones that I think would sell uh, kind of well. So I know this week I sold like uh, John Carpenter's body bags and Scream 1 and 2. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Empire Strikes Back, Edward Scissorhands, you know, some of the kind of hits that... You're talking about laser discs. Laser disc, yeah. Oh, you're just not going to, like, ever use them again kind of thing? I don't think so. There, there's a lot I won't sell, so I'll just have them. <laughs> how much do you sell them for? Like, if you were to put, you said body bags in there, how much does that uh, sell them go for? I think that for? went for, like, 25 or something like that, so... That's pretty good, yeah, I would not, think. Not too bad, so... But, um, but, yeah, so I've been getting rid of some horror collectibles and Madonna stuff and... Um, just to kind of purge yeah. them. But I figured, like I said, if I haven't seen something in 20 years, am I just boxing it up for another 20 years, or do I need to kind of start thinning out a little bit? That's a good rule of thumb. I was looking through the DVDs last night, and I was like, I need to like just spend an afternoon and like cl- clean this up and buy some more and get rid of some. Like I see Almost Famous is still in the like packaging, and I was like, I'm probably never going to physically watch this movie again from the DVD. I'll watch it on TV or whatever, but... Maybe yeah. I can like clean this up. I have like two copies of Love Actually because like one I bought when I was in England and it doesn't work in the U.S. So I had to buy the U.S. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I can get rid of the English one. I don't have U.K. formatted DVD yeah. players. Um, but real quick, back to Psycho. Yeah. Uh, and I want to get into the remake, which some argue is as good if not better than Freddy's Dead. Um, Oof. Ooh. <laughs> but Psycho is – we talked about less is more. And the fact that you don't see Norman Bates's mother early on, and the house is so foreboding, um, I really think the house is one of the scariest characters in the film. Absolutely. So, and I know they. So when they shot Psycho, I think it was only they only built the two halves of the house. They they the the two the front and the side. I don't think they even built the other two sides that you see. So it was kind of barely there. And I should say built. They kind of. Um, they took pieces from another house that was on the Universal lot. Um, right, and and where the house is on the lot is not the original location of the film now. No, so I think it was more, it was closer toward Falls Lake, and I think it's kind of where the best little whorehouse in Texas, or the, I know it's used in some Rob Zombie films, but I don't know which ones, is kind of, that's where it sits now. Still kind of up on a hill, and then they moved it for Psycho 2 and kind of rebuilt it. Um, and kind of put it in its place where it's at now. And for Psycho 2, I think they only built um, Cabin 1 and The Office. Um, when you can see in Psycho 2, the entire motel, they didn't even build that. That was all matte painting. Oh, yeah, it was just a set, right? Yeah, it was just like they barely, they just built uh, what they needed close-ups. If they see the entire uh, motel in the shot, that's just a matte painting. So yeah. at the time, and... it was going to be just a TV movie. And then eventually, um, I think Christopher Walken was going to play Norman Bates, but then Anthony Perkins got interested, so it kind of upped the level to uh, an actual movie. Right, because a lot of the crew were TV crew. They weren't filmmakers. They were um, Hitchcock hired like people that just worked in television. Not just worked, they, that worked yeah. in television kind of thing. For the original make it, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is pretty interesting. Uh, one of the sets that you went to was the car dealership. Yep. So that's one of the, uh, so Hitchcock rarely, he didn't like to do locations at all because he just, you, you lose control. So he only actually went to, technically, I think this is only the location that he went to. So the car dealership is in, I think, North Hollywood off of Lancashire. And so if you look closely, obviously it's a lot different, but if you look closely, there's still pieces that are still of the building that are still the same. 
So kind of the door that he comes out of and, and kind of the, the bathroom door that she's supposed to get into, the, those pieces of the building are still the same, but now it's kind of built out. And, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I need to, uh, sometimes it's weird going to those because they're busy and here comes some weirdo taking pictures and I'm sure they're used to people coming to that particular car dealership. Right. Plus you're the set jetter. You get yeah. a pass for anything you want to do. If you want to go in there and start eating sandwiches, you're allowed. Yeah, so I think if you look, it's kind of you can tell it's kind of uh, sunset. Where I was trying to come on a, a day where I think they they should be kind of done for the day. But I do see the park. similarities. I see the door what you're talking about. Uh, the building, and if you look down the street, uh, some of those storefronts are the same. When she gets gets the the newspaper, uh, are there? So so I think that's pretty amazing. The only one location that he went to. Uh, the rest was pretty much all in the Universal lot, uh, where they had the, the the motel and the house. And the motel, if I'm not mistaken, the, where it is now is not where it was at all. Um, they built rebuilt that for like the tour, right? Yeah. So actually, they built because um, it was a matte they painting. They actually built it for Psycho Three. So, ah. so for Psycho Two, they built just a part of it, just enough to see. And then for Psycho Three, uh, they built the entire. Um, L shape again. Actually, for the original cycle, they they built that motel and then it, they they took that down or it was kind of destroyed over time. But were you? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, I was at Universal Studios in 1985, so they were shooting Psycho Three. So I have pictures where uh, oh, no way very close, but um, I could see the hotel and the Bates Motel in the distance, and um, so I remember I was just I was 15 years old. I was just in awe that. Uh, and what, when I was excited that Psycho yeah. was coming out, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine the Bates house. Their Norman Bates's house is arguably the most famous house in film history, right? Yes, I've I mean, what I, I, people know it that don't people know Psycho that never have seen Psycho and never will. It's that it's that relevant to pop culture. And then, uh, and you saw it as a kid. Did you watch? You've seen all the Psychos, obviously. Yeah, Did you watch them? As they came out, were you like a psycho purist when these um, were coming out? So when Psycho 2 came out, obviously I was 12 or something like that. So obviously I didn't see it in the theater, but eventually I saw it when I was I think 14 or something and when it shows up on cable. Um, so, and that's actually, um, to me, it's one of the great sequels. And, and, and Oh, really? I, I, yeah, I really enjoy it. I like uh, uh, Richard Franklin was the director and I just kind of like what he did with it. And kind of uh, Vera Miles came back. Obviously, Anthony Perkins came back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I kind of like uh, kind of what they did with uh, with that particular one. I love Jerry Goldsmith did the music. I love his. One story. of my favorites. Maybe one of the, maybe in the top 10, Jerry Goldsmith. Gold. No pun intended. <laughs> the, um, it's interesting, too, the gap between when they made Psycho 2 and Psycho. You, you would think that Psycho would be a standalone film, Hitchcock, classic, done. And then they started coming out with the sequels in the Psycho Two was in the eighties. Eighty two, yeah. Yeah. Two years later, which is pretty amazing. Um, Anthony Perkins did not talk about Psycho. I read he was he didn't want to be typecast um, for a while, but then he and Janet Lee kind of agreed or admitted, I should say, in interviews that like we're very proud to be associated with this classic, you know. And I mean, think about it: you're associated forever with a movie that will always be revered. Absolutely. Um, Which is pretty pretty amazing, and I think uh, at one point they um, now I lost who plays uh, the the girl in the film, um, but they were gonna um, uh, Meg Tilly, 
at one point, I think they were considering uh, Jamie Lee Curtis because uh, she would be about the right age. But by that point, Jamie Lee uh, had been done with horror. You're talking about Psycho 2. Psycho 2, yeah. Meg Tilly, who was also in um, Body Snatchers. Yep. Oh, uh, yep. She has, the, she has the great line in that one. Or, where are you going to go? Where are you going to hide? Where are you going to hide? Body Snatchers was the only movie as a kid that, like, well, not the only, but one of the true that really scared me. Because I was like, what, what if this happened? And my stepdad made a joke. He's like, oh, I think it happened out west. <laughs> it's real. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They would stop that. No, this isn't real. I, I, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, those films, as a kid, scared me to death. They still hold, like, some damage in my brain. So but, at one point, Universal was going to tear down the Psycho House and Motel. What? And make, and there was a big campaign to, to not do it. Um, and then they kind of backed off. And, and so it, it's one of those, I would call it typical L.A. things that you think anybody would just embrace this. Um, you know, and like, and right. I, I get annoyed that they, they tore down like the, uh, the tunnel, you know, the rotating tunnel they had at, at Universal Studios and put up the Fast and Furious horrible i saw (laughs) i was there in september before covid and it was bad and universal is huge as you know and uh they have still film sets that if they weren't destroyed in the fire like back to the future things like that of films that will never be made again or we hope they're not but they still keep them for the tours and they're iconic and i feel like the psycho house is like Sleeping Beauty Castle of Universal, like it's it's always ha- it's always has to be there. You oh, know? absolutely, absolutely. So there's one other location in Psycho, but Alfred Hitchcock never actually went there, and that's the um, the highway scene uh, where yeah. she falls asleep. And Janet Lee wasn't there either. Um, so all those were shot in the studio, but they did go out and shoot um, uh, the cop approaching uh, the the car and and some background plates. And but all of their parts and Alfred Hitchcock was that was all shot in the studio. It was but all screens and movie magic. I had to go to that location as well. So I'm glad that you went there. Yeah, you have it here on the Psycho page. I'm looking at it right now, and uh, nothing much has uh, not not much has really changed in this location, which is cool. Yeah, this okay. was in uh, California somewhere. Yeah, Gorman. So uh, Gorman, north of LA, and if you keep going on that road, you run into one of the the motels from Thelma and Louise. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. When did you when did you visit the psycho sets? I know you you've been there a few times, but like the Gorman Road and things like that. Was this? It might have. It's probably been eight, ten years, maybe. So it's it's been a while. It's good. Your camera holds up though, because the, the pictures are still great. Thanks. Yeah. You go to some sites and you're like, oh, that's a cell phone. <laughs> that's a flip phone, man. That's bad. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So and I I usually bring my SLR camera around, but then I've been doing that yeah. a little bit less because. That's a lot of work, and then it's it's uh, uh, if you have a big, nice, professional camera, people take notice, and then then they start stopping you, and and, and yeah, and I said, oh, this is just for a blog, and it seems like it's a little bit for more, but in Gorman, nobody nobody was caring about. That. I have a red cam here, and an operator, and a uh, an electronic uh, crane just to operate it. What are you doing? It's just a blog. Walk away. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, but the sequels. How do you think the Psycho sequels? Um, hold up today like so, you said psycho 2 is like one of your favorites yeah so psycho 2 is one of my favorite sequels um i just kind of love everything about it and a little twist on the end with uh mrs spool um so i think it just, it had strong characters and it just felt like 
um, it kind of put a little twist on, you had sympathy for Norman, um, which was at the time people didn't quite get, I, I don't think, but the, the whole point is like, why are people doing this to Norman? You know, that this is so unfair and then they kind of keep twisting it again. So, so Psycho 2 is one of my favorites. Uh, Psycho 3 was the first one I saw in the theater. And so I was just so excited to see that, or, you know. Oh, yeah. Or when I see, we see the Bates house on the big screen, everything's just so big. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if kids get now what it was like. We, you know, at most, we had 25-inch TVs uh, to see these movies. And when you see it yeah. on the big screen, it was just a different experience. Oh, it's still better on the big screen. I don't care how good your television is or what HD caliber, what their sound is. There's nothing like seeing it on, in film. And, and film still looks better. And actually, I'm going to zip back to original Psycho. So um, we have a nonprofit film cinema here. And so we'd have different student screenings. And so one that I moderated was Psycho. And as many times as I've seen it, it's, it's still different with the soundtrack booming. And it's your entire, you know, you're not sitting in your living room looking at your doing other stuff when you're yeah. in that movie. It's a different experience. And I think uh, I, I, that's why I'm always, I always take. Uh, the chance to go see it on the big screen, no matter how many times I've kind of seen it off and on or, or here. Yeah, definitely. And you appreciate it more, too. I was fine if I... If a movie comes to, like, the Egyptian Theater or the Vista or something, like The Godfather or Jaws or Home Alone or something, a movie that I love that I've seen a million times, I'll always go see it on the theater because it, it you, like, appreciate it more. Yeah. And things are just more exciting. You're like, oh, this is that part where... You know, everything you remember better, and it's just the experience. Absolutely. So Psycho three is it is it's a little bit of the the black sheep of of the films. It kind of went off in a little bit different direction. Anthony Perkins directed it, um, and some people might say he over directed it. He has some amazing transitions. I don't know if you've seen it or seen it lately, but he'll be leaving like the hospital room and he'll shut the door and turn, and then we're suddenly in uh, his mother's bedroom. Uh, they had built some connected sets at the time, so I love that type of stuff. Yeah, that's what. See, I only I saw the second one maybe twice. I only saw the third one once, and I was a kid, so I, I definitely have to go back and revisit it. But I do remember um, I was like very confused about different stuff. I'm like, what? Where is it? What's happening? This is so weird. They were, but they now tried, I would get it. Yeah, they tend to and tried to write, revise history again because then Mrs. Spool wasn't his mother, and they're kind of were going back and forth. Now I also I. Loved yeah, his this. mother's like shouting and stuff ahead of him. I remember like yelling at him, and I didn't understand. I thought she was dead. I didn't understand what was going on. If so, it's it's a little bit different one. Um, now the soundtrack for this one I love as well. So Carter Bur Carter Burwell did this one. So he had been he had just done a movie or two with uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen, and I think that's where um, Anthony Perkins saw that. Oh and yeah, then, he's a great. He did uh, a lot of movies, but he did yeah. um, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. California. Um, he did Lebowski too. Yeah, absolutely. So he was, and this was, I think, one of his first, his first Hollywood film. I think, a first big film. So, it's the it's a great score. Uh, it was, yeah, totally different than the first two, obviously. Um, but I, I just, I just loved it. Uh, kind of what he did with that. It was, it was a lot different. Um, the other thing I was going to mention. So Charles Edward Pogue wrote the original story. 1986 was a good year because he also wrote The Fly, the Jeff Goldblum movie. Yes. So, be afraid. Be very afraid. Which, we'll have a whole other podcast on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and the original, too. Yeah. So, Psycho 3, I still, I, I, it's, it does not hold up as well, but it's still 
I still hold that dearly to my heart. And I just, uh, this is an audio podcast, but if you have a camera, you can see. So I just yeah. got a copy of all of the storyboards oh, for wow. the entire movie. Robert Patterson, the set trader, is holding up a binder full of original storyboards. They look like they're in pretty good shape. Yeah, so these are copies of it. Um, that the, the guy that worked on the movie was kind of selling it, or he said he was like selling a page at a time. And and you know me, and I'm like, I want the entire. I need them all. Take them. Entire em. thing. Um, That's amazing. I happened upon it because I was looking for a missing location. There's a, a one shot of uh, Mrs. Spool's apartment. Can't see an address or, or anything, and I was pretty sure it was North Hollywood. And for some reason, I was looking, and he happened to have the uh, call sheet for that. No way. Yeah, so it has the address right there. I'm like, oh, perfect. And so I contacted him, and um, so so that and the desert scenes, I, I good found work. For so I, that'll be as we said a couple episodes ago. That'll be my next thing that I go to when I go. You, to when you resume. When I yes, when life when set jetting life resumes. When is set jetting life going to resume? What's the what's your prediction? I we we need this back in our lives. I yeah, so I need to one. I'll need to move into my new house and let things calm down, and then I figure I might fly out early next year and just kind of get out there. And the the good thing with besides the airline travel is most of my work is just done on a car solo, so I'm not interacting too much with with people. But. That was my question, yeah, because I feel like, and again, I'm not there, but you can socially distance without being at risk too much. Absolutely. The plane's another story. I know that, yeah. but I'm talking about when you're in location. It's, um, Me and a car. I still won't fly yeah. right now. People are like, you coming? You going to visit for Christmas? I was like, oh, I'm not getting on an airplane. Yeah, not quite. So. But soon. And I hope it does resume. And you mentioned there's a still a backlog, so... Oh, you're yeah. very, you still post uh, very frequently, if not every day, on um, Instagram and on the website, which is yeah. amazing. Not, so we really not as much late. With buying this new house, has taken up more time. Than, so I'll, I'll try to get, I'll try to make sure October is properly, uh, as the right. It's all my October is could be full of just horror movies. So it'll be, it'll be a fun month. Exactly. Psycho three was preceded uh, by, uh, you argue the greatest sequel in the Psycho series. And what then, about the beginning, Psycho 4? I'm, I'm going to take a detour before Psycho 4 because <gasps> they had Bates Motel, the series, the first series, in 1987. <laughs> Bates Motel. Never saw it. It is, is not it great. <laughs> no? It just, I think it was only three or four episodes. It did not last long. Lori Petty was in it. Uh, Bud Court. Um, Norman Bates was not in it. He's in it in silhouette. Bud Court. I think it was at the same insane asylum and Norman passed away or something. And then he bequested it, the Bates motel uh, to him. And so it was going to be kind of an anthology it? where they would run a motel. Yep. Sorry, keep I'll edit that out. Sorry. There was a cat screaming to get oh. out. It was just going to ruin the whole show. It was a black cat too. So I don't oh. want to cross in front of me. Uh, Norman Bates wasn't it in Bates Motel? He was not. So I think he was shown in silhouette. The guy who played, um, or who was Norman's stunt double, or or was Mrs. Bates' double, played Norman. So he there's some continuity there. Uh, Bud Court played a fellow asylum person that was uh, he. Norman bequested the motel to him, 
Uh, he happened to bum into Lori Petty in a chicken costume on the street, and they end up becoming friends, and she spends the night there. And then they redo the Bates Motel into this horrible southwestern look. It doesn't. Uh, it, the Bates oh, Motel no. starts off looking like Bates Motel, and then it was supposed to be every every week would be kind of somebody else new would start would stay at the hotel. And I think Jason Bateman was one of the first um, guests at the the motel at that time, and it's it's pretty unwatchable. Yeah, Lori Petty in a chicken costume and a southwestern motif for the. I'm, I'm shocked. This didn't take off. Uh, yeah, and as a complete, as much as a completist, uh, I think I am. You will notice I have not done locations for that. And you, and you shall not ever do it. I'd imagine I, it's that I, bad. I, I, yeah. I every once in a while I, I see it like on YouTube or something. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll take a look. And I'm <sighs> like, ooh, this is painful to get through. It kind of, to me, kind of sullies the psycho legacy. Yeah, Pete's Motel, nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, four episodes usually is a sign that it's not doing too well. Did they try to ride the coattails of um, 80 Slashers film at that point? That like 1987? Anthology, they're trying to ride the coattails of amazing stories and um, the kind of uh, different episode every week of, that was a little bit different. But... Like Tales from the Dark Side kind of thing? Yeah, but actually it was not that dark. It was... Yeah, I, I, that, so. I'm kind of curious about it. If it's on YouTube, maybe I'll like I, give it a watch. Sure, it is. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll look for a link as well. Well, I, I, you should time yourself to see how, how far you get. <laughs> yeah, right. Pretty bad. Um, I can usually yes. tell in like 15 minutes. Yeah. If the I don't know why. Four, I remember. Um, I, I think it was Showtime. Was it, it premiered on Showtime? And I didn't have it, but my parents happened to be. I was the at my college at the time, and they were visiting. And they had Showtime in their hotel, and I just, by chance, I lucked out, so I went and watched Psycho 4, so. It came out in 1990 on Showtime, and it's, uh, Olivia Hussey was in this. She's a, she was a hot actress. Yeah, so she's pretty, she was pretty good as uh, Norma um, in the flashbacks. Henry Thomas played young Norman, so casting was good. Oh, cool. Well, that's, those are big names. Yeah, for sure. Um, And it's almost, it was kind of framed, it was framed in present day. With Norman uh, remarried or married to a new woman, uh, and he's calling into a radio talk show. And um, so, actually, that's the part that brings the movie down. If if it was all prequel, I think the movie probably would have looked worked a lot better. They keep juxtaposing the prequel, the past and present. Yeah, come, cutting back to to Norman in the present, and um, they're trying to connect with him. And so it's uh, yeah. But the, the best parts are like Olivia Hussey and um, and seeing a little bit of the of the backstory. Uh, I've actually I think I've actually have seen this film. It was on um, the Prism Network one summer. Like they were running it a bunch of times. I think I have to see it because I remember Olivia Hussey's character as the mother and Henry Thomas. Uh I'm probably due to rewatch it. I've never seen it. I don't know if you'll be able to find it very frequently, but it's out there. I so. think they re- just released it on Blu-ray, if I remember right. So. Now, this Speaking one they shot in Orlando. Oh. Not that. They, uh, Universal Orlando, they had just opened, and so they built a new Bates Motel house, or Bates Motel End House. Psycho 4 was the last of the franchise, right? Yes, of that. It, in, if, yeah, yeah the, that timeline. But then they did TV series, and then they did the classic remake. Oof. 1998. With, 
with um, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn and Hesh, William we, Macy. We talked about that. We we touched on it on a prior episode, and I mentioned it's like a song. If you're gonna redo a song, you got to do it completely different. Otherwise, just if it's not broke, don't fix it. They didn't do anything different with Psycho the remake. It's like shot for shot. It is shot for shot. The timing is different, and some of the cuts are different. Yeah. Um, for sure. They did go back to the same exact spot where um, she's, uh, the cop wakes her up. So they, were at, they went to a different um, uh, car dealership. Right, right. Some other spots. But, um, but yeah, and like we said before, it just didn't quite work for a number of reasons. Yeah, well, well, did you see that? I guess you saw that theatrically. I did, yeah. So, actually, I still, actually, I do, and it had great um, uh, visuals uh, for the poster and stuff. And actually, I have like I have like a, like a seven foot vinyl banner in my bathroom right now. Oh, that's pretty cool. Remake, yeah, of a woman kind of in the shower, uh, and it as you go down the, it kind of turns to blood, and it says "psycho" at the bottom. So, oh yeah, good visuals that way. That's pretty good. I mean, it wasn't horribly the way it was shot or anything like that. Um, the sets I liked. I thought the sets were good in the film. Yeah, it's just, and then it, I felt like he over, over heightened the color to the point it was, to me, it was distracting. Yes, a little and, bit. There was a little too, it was a little too, like, saturated. And some spots you're like, I get it. Like, the technology's there. You're making it look cool because it's not black and white, so it's going to be, like, too much. But I felt like it was a little overkill and they, in the Vince Vaughn They all wore clothes that only existed in 1998. It was just, if you look yeah. at the Vince uh, shirt. Very dated. Um, and I think Wayne H. Mace is the only one that he played it almost straight from the original, where he, he his character really did, his clothing, his mannerisms, his talk really did not change. And so uh, he, he played his role kind of straight as yes. is. He kind of did different takes. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I love Anne Hesh, but she was not good in uh, no. she, she trying to replicate uh, some of what Janet Lee was doing. And so like the driving shots where yeah. um, she, she was just like overdoing it. And it was like, she just needed to, to take it down a few notches. I agree with you hundred percent. And I do like Anne Hesh a lot. And I, I think she's a great actress. Um, but I felt like she was just overacting in this, and it was like too much. And I felt like the uh, some of the actors. Um, by the way, the film stars Viggo Mortensen as well, which I forgot about. But I felt like a lot of the actors realized they were doing a remake of Hitchcock, and thought this was going to be like this amazing groundbreaking thing, and they just like ran with it, and it, it didn't match up. It didn't work. They tried. Um, they tried. But Viggo actually, he's a stronger Sam Loomis. He has he has a much better screen presence. Uh, then. Good call. He is like a stronger Sam Loomis. So Sam like Loomis him. enjoyed the bottle too, which I like. He was very humanized. You know, he would like drink whiskey yeah. and smoke. He would, yeah, he was like, he would be okay getting a beer with, and he would okay be your grandfather. And you and would he respect him. in this scene, right in the opening. So, which yeah. I thought, that, the, and that's where I think some of the differences are. Is that's where like, oh, he, Gus Van Sant kind of did put in those, um, you know, Gus Van Sant butt naked. Uh, kind of right there, so yeah. Um, and for uh, psycho fans, all these things. Every time something like that happened, you kind of jumped out of the movie, and you say, "Oh, that's different, and that's different." So it kept you from enjoying the movie a little bit. But, Good call. Oh. Yeah, they actually put emphasis on it to show, like, this is what I'm doing. I'm Gus Van Zandt. 
<laughs> this now is what their, their swamp at the end is actually right over the hill from the the police uh, pullover scene. Um, so it's the, oh. the same area. It's, so it's just like literally the same more or less drive to that. So that that's where they shot their swamp scene. Uh, the original Psycho that was all on the, the back lot. Are you going to uh, rewatch this film anytime soon? Um, I I feel like I did not too long ago. Um, just every every once in a while, I come like, well, how bad can it be? And then I was like, yeah, oh, this is, yeah, not. I kind of want to watch it again. Uh, you did a blog entry on your old site uh, of Psycho Two. This was filmed. Um, you mentioned the final shot, the swamp was right where in this film where they filmed the uh, the pullover scene or the, the cop scene. And Psycho ninety eight. Yeah, Psycho ninety eight. Yeah, so Psycho ninety eight. Yeah, so it's right. Um, I don't think I have it on my maps, but it's kind of right in the same area. So I think if you pull up to the gate, there's kind of a, it's not accessible to the public, so I've not been yeah. over there. But but you got there. Yeah. But Pretty cool. For uh, where was the hotel in Psycho ninety eight? Um, so the motel in Psycho 98, motel. the hotel. Oh, so that actually was Phoenix as well. So I should, oh, I should, oh, it was actually, it was all there. Yeah. So I should backtrack both hotels for Psycho and Psycho 98. There was different places, but they were both shot in, in Phoenix. Oh, that's pretty cool. The, um, the marketing, I remember I was in high school when Psycho 98 came out and we ended up getting it, um, on like probably VHS, and we all like had a party f- for it, like a viewing party, a screening, because we're like, this is gonna be so great. Um, and it was like film people too, and yeah, uh, I felt like watching it. A lot of it, the room was kind of split. People were like, oh, the way they did this is great. And these are kids talking, so obviously their things change. There's movies I thought were great when I was 18 that today I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> but I would, I really feel like we should. I want to rewatch this and maybe revisit this on a future show because uh, it's been it's been kind of a minute since I've seen it, maybe like five six years. But it's and, bad. Yeah, and it's a I bad think film. I, like when Bates Motel, the new series, uh, yeah, was 2013, when they announced that, I'm like, well, what are they going to do with that? You know, and but I actually yeah. I, I appreciate that series quite a bit. I I really like that. Do you? Yeah, you're a fan. I was a fan. I was like, I'm not quite sure what they were going to do with it. I'm like, and luckily they they had nods to the original film. Uh, Freddie Highmore, uh, I thought was great as Norman and Vera Farm. I always butcher her last name. Uh, was fantastic as Nora Bates. That she was she was over top in a, a good way, kind of in that dramatic uh, '50s actress way. That that I yeah. Yeah, she made it work, and I feel like the source material with Psycho is something like Man Manhunter or Silence of the Lambs, where you can do so many like layers and spinoffs from it, and if they're done respectfully, you can make like a really good series. Absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking about Silence of the, the Lambs cannibal. and Psycho because obviously Ed Gein, uh, his story has spun off into Psycho and was spun off into Texas Chainsaw and spun off into Silence of the Lambs. But, oh yeah. Uh, but I was thinking about Psycho and Silence of the Lambs both have characters looking directly into the lens, which yeah. is unusual. Um, that uh, Janet Lee does it when she's driving in a couple scenes. Norman does it, especially at the end. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's and Anthony Hopkins did it. Yeah. It's menacing. It's, it's there, it, it, it chills you. It's supposed to, which is why Anthony Hopkins wore white in that scene. Criminals aren't really wearing white. They're wearing like orange jumpsuit, but white is like a dentist, like clinical. And he would look at you like you were there. And that's what makes those movies work, I think. 
the same he, he and janet had the same smirk i know and but they, as they both looking uh at the camera uh for different reasons um but oh yeah as opposed to the Anne hesh version of smirking <laughs> was not working for me <laughs> i just watched silence of the lambs again that movie will always hold up that, that is a that is a film that is a great film it, won the academy award horror film yeah i mean yeah, psychological yeah. thriller uh, same thing. I mean, it was one of those things where everything, all the planets aligned, you know, when Perfect. that happened between the soundtrack, the director, the cast, uh, cinematographer, the, the look of that film. Um, it just, and it came at the right time. I'll, I'll jump into Hannibal Lecter with my coworkers sometimes and it misses the reference and they just think I'm a weirdo. I'll be like, well, what about, what about the reports that came in? I'd be like, no. That's incidental. And they're like, it is? no, it's not incidental. You're supposed to do it. And I'm like, he covets. And I'm like, oh, no, okay, well, well let's really work now. Uh, let's get this done. But do Psycho, how- what's that? I know, okay, I know this is audio, but so this is my wallet. Oh, we got video. Let's see. I didn't see the wallet. There's, there's two things I carry in my wallet at any one time. Oh, there it is. Sir. The answer's not on those second-rate shoes, Clarice. And then, because I'm a completist, the Julianne Moore one. <laughs> yes. Perfect. That's amazing. Let me see I the tra- first one again. What's that? I want to get a screenshot. Uh, oh, that's perfect. Special Agent Clarice. Closer. Closer, please. I won't waste her time. Him and that awful Jack Crawford have done too much damage already. Um... That's perfect. You have those. I, you I are completest. I, I do carry them around. I always do, and I'm not you sure. I, I felt like I did have one time where I had an opportunity to to whip these out. <laughs> but I feel like you should just no matter what they should they should come yeah. out. You have ID? Yeah. Let me. And you just drop one of those. Oh, sorry, that's not it. Whoa, what's going on here? That's perfect. I, I want to. Did see Silence the Musical, and we might have to talk about that some other time too. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm all about that. I do want to remind the listeners this month is the Friday the 13th Blu-ray box set is coming out on October 13th. It has every film, including Freddy vs. Jason. We, Robert is involved in this project. I am a huge fan, and I just want to plug this in because the countdown, it's in 10 days, my friend. There's 16 discs in this um, project, in uh, the Blu-ray. It is October thirteenth, right? I think so. I know. I just got a notification that it's getting ready to be shipped. So, yeah, it's a weird series in the fact that they made you know seven movies, then they took a little break, then they did eight, and then they did Freddy vs. Jason. There was like licensing overlaps, so like a lot of channels or you know streaming platforms will offer the first few and not the later and not the remake, and this is going to have everything, which is I feel like what we need at this point. I'm look. I'm looking forward to seeing it, and it's uh, one just to revisit. Probably like oh, you, yeah. hundreds of times, but just a dedicated like. Let's see this in the best version possible. Oh yeah, it's perfect. Um, now you're involved in the DVD extras, correct? Just barely. They. I. I got a an email on a Friday, I think like at two o'clock, saying, "Hey, we want to include your location video uh, pictures from parts three through six." I'm um, like the comparisons before and you know then and now and so forth um uh, uh and like oh so great cool. yeah i think they said we need them by eight o'clock 
And I was right, like, right, right, right. Oh, all right. And so I did my best. And so I don't know how it's, I, I know they're going to put it to music. Um, so I, I don't want people to get too excited. This is not like one of oh, we're excited. A typical location video where I'm you're you're on the spot or whatever. It's going to be a picture montage of some sort. I know. So um, not the that's most exciting ideal, though. But yeah, but I know there they somebody else shot a a video for part one and two at the the, the different camps. So I know that will be on there. So three through yeah. six is be a little bit different. I got to be honest with you. I'm so excited for this box set, and it's nothing to shy away. You you did get your name into an official box set um of friday the 13th these movies are old you know they're not being these aren't new films these are classic horror films that you got into based on your work as a fan which is pretty surreal you know it's like going on stage at a rolling stones concert and singing a song with them and you're like but i I listen to you growing up you're able to get involved in some way so congratulations on that because that's not easy to do and that's pretty cool you should hold off for more money and hold the whole project up and threaten a lawsuit. Now, uh, but this comes out um, on the 13th, fittingly, and it has everything, um, all of the films in there. And the, Do you think they're going to do extras on all the films as well? There's pieces. They did release some of the extras, and I think what's going to be, people are most excited about is part, there's two things uh, I'm kind of curious to see. So part two, they found a work tape of the unedited before the MPAA cut it up. So you're going to see some oh. original kills, I think as extras, not as part of the running film, because the quality I don't think is there. Um, but yeah. so some of the, a, lot, a lot of the kills were kind of cut out or kind of trimmed out. So I know we're going to get yeah. some. Um, I'm excited because part three is going to be in true 3D, um, just kind of like they did. Oh, with no way. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I still have a 3D TV, so I'm, I'm holding on to that, that. I don't think really they really make 3D TVs anymore, but... I mean, no. this will be the first time I'm going to see it in true 3D. Uh, not that's something to be. Wait, so yeah. the third one will come out in 3D as well to just remastered. I think so. Yeah, as far as I know. So this is kind that's of I think, the first time that um, they've been able to do that. My brother-in-law is a 3D TV. I, I watched Gravity in 3D, which is really cool. Um, so I would have to like see it there but I, I was i'd be all about that i'm sure it'd be worth it so uh, oh yeah the th- third one's still my favorite one as cheesy as that is it's it, just the most fun for me it's it uh, one it's iconic he gets his mask and two he's he's a mean jason in that one three he's and four. a bastard yeah he's he's not pulling any punches oh yeah no he's not messing around especially with the cop in the the little hut in the woods oh yeah somebody explain What's that? That's part two. Yeah, yeah. That scene's brutal. Yeah. Somebody well, explained, um, I think I sent you the video, they they put on a YouTube video and they explained the genesis and the timeline of Jason Voorhees and like how he was as a kid in the movies. And I was really excited. I wasn't too excited because it was like an independent person. But I was like, this is cool that somebody's like doing this and they put it together. But I felt like we could have done a better job. They, they did what like every YouTube horror video psych does and they go back and splice in like things are not related to movie for for comic effect and they say things like and then that's what that happened and then jason did this and it became sort of too much like tmz and i'm like nah just Uh, keep it pure um i felt like we could do better absolutely we could so yeah i'm excited yeah i'm excited to uh i feel i feel like that's gonna be an entire weekend of just rewatching that stuff oh yeah um 
Halloween is upon us. The season is here. Do you have any traditions, as far as film goes, that you watch like every year um, around this time of year that you have to see? I'm not sure if I'm watching a film that I feel like I've overseen Halloween. <laughs> not, I mean, as much as mm-hmm. I, it's my favorite film, I don't need to see it once more. Um, my, my tradition yeah. that I'm losing out on is I've gone to L.A. for Halloween every year since 2008. Oh. I'm not going to do it. So I just kind of feel like I'm missing out a little bit on that. It's but, canceled this year. Yeah. In, yeah. in LA. Halloween. Yeah. You're not missing anything, I promise. Yeah. But in the past two Halloweens, or not the past, I, I feel like I think I've seen John Carpenter on Halloween night performing uh, at the Palladium, which is always kind of special to. If you're going to see, if you're going to watch the master perform, it's on pretty Halloween cool. Night in LA, there's nothing. You can't there's nothing it. like it. Yeah. It's like watching John Williams score Home Alone on Christmas. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I, I, this Halloween. I'm like I don't know. It's gonna be totally. I'm gonna be in a new house and things are gonna be different. So I don't. I don't know. You're moving this month. Yeah, actually the 14th. I'm moving to a new house. So kind of on the other side of town. So that's why I've been going through everything and purging and selling some stuff. Pretty exciting though. I heard that you bought the real estate on a cornfield. An Isaac was on the deed and something about he who walks behind the rose. Um, there's a lot of land and a blue man out there. It's getting really weird for you, Robert, is my you know, understanding. This neighborhood that I'm moving into is just being built. I think there's only five or six houses in there. And I literally, actually, I, do, I drive through a cornfield to get to my house. Wow. Do you really? Yeah. I, I, I'll send you a picture. I just sent a picture to my friend. I'm like, because we, we did our final walkthrough on Friday. And the street I turn onto is kind of a cornfield. And then you hit the neighborhood. Um, That's amazing. So it'll eventually all that will get built up, of course. But you have uh, to film some short stories or short films there. You know what I mean? I would totally take advantage of that. I wish if I still lived in my um I don't wish I still lived with my parents, but growing up in Pennsylvania with the cornfield and all the land that my, my parents around their house, I took more advantage of that when I lived there and made more you know, because it all looks like the movie signs. It's oh, all yeah. It's. I wish I just filmed more like scary stuff because it's so easy to film there, and get away with it. And the noise is great. There's no noise. It's like perfect for horror. I just. I was a kid. I didn't really take advantage of that. Um, you should take advantage of stuff like that. That's cool. I, so I did the same. I have an eight millimeter film, uh, Friday wow. the Thirteenth Part Five. So you can tell at what age I. There was no Part Five yet, and uh, um, so I don't think I'm too embarrassed to show that to anybody. But uh, wait, say that again. You made an eight millimeter film. Yeah, I had the old, I mean, the, you know, pre-video. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that, that's what, and I spliced it together, and no my, one of my favorite moments in the film, by accident, is that um, near the end of the reel, the film got exposed. So at the end of the scene, everything goes, fades to white, and I was like, yeah. oh, this is, that's, I don't think, Friday 13th is, I think, one of the few movies that do that, you know, that at kill scenes, it, it fades to white yeah. instead of black, so. If you release something like that, though, it would probably get a lot of views. It just from the would. fact that, like, it's that old and, like, that would people would actually probably appreciate that. A, a lot of a lot of ridicule is probably what would happen. A lot of money would be sent to you in appreciation. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, I always watch uh, Halloween every year. I, I did it last night a little early, so I won't watch it again. Yeah. Uh, I always watch Halloween too, and I'll. Go through Friday the Thirteenth, but I I always do Children of the Corn and The Shining, and Planet Terror, and I've oh. already watched all of them except for Planet Terror. So I sort of jumped the gun this Halloween. 
already. So I'm yeah. going to try to dive into a lot of these films that we've talked about, like the Psycho series, uh, and rewatch them. I, I'm, I'm due to watch The Nightmare on Elm Street and catch up with you. I've only yeah, seen like, four of them. And I really need to just like go through the whole ca- canon. So that's like my project this Halloween because I want to, you know, keep doing the set Jetter Saturdays and you know talking about these these great films, these works of, of art. Time. And then yeah, you're gonna have a whole weekend of watching Friday the 13th for sure as well. Oh yeah, the Blu-ray is going to be the thing I'm most excited about because there's nothing I could really take away from Friday the 13th that I haven't already that I don't already know or haven't seen because I've seen them so much. It's all this extra stuff you're talking about, which I'm really excited for. Um, yeah, and just see what it looks like. I mean, cleaning up these films. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm curious to. So, some of the, a lot of the cleanup too is in like the first two movies. Um, I, I still think the first Friday the Thirteenth, the chase scene with Pamela Voorhees and um, what's the chick's name? Is it Chrissy? Uh, Alice? At the end, Alice. Alice. Adrian King. It's like 10 minutes too long. They, they, they're fighting in the house, and they go outside, and then they're running, and then they're in a garage, and then they're fighting by the dock, and then they're fighting. I mean, it's like, it's like 15 minutes of like two girls fighting, and it's like the pacing, I felt, really hurt it. Um, but but nice you got it. You know? It right. Was, there, but, there was, remember, there's, like, there's a lot of smacking and slapping. A lot of slapping going on. But if you think about, though, that reveal, if you never saw Friday the 13th or heard about it, and you just watched that movie today... Spoiler alert, people. The reveal that the killer is not Jason, it's his mother, is still one of the best surprises and plot twists in any film ever. I mean, it's been done to death now, so it doesn't, it doesn't affect us the same way. But really, for that movie to come out in 1980 and have it be the, the killer you thought's mother doing this. Well, related is, back to Psycho, Victor Miller was doing a reverse on Psycho, he said that um, it's supposed to be the mother in Psycho obviously you think the mother's the killer and it's not it's the son and he more or less reversed that for Friday the 13th I need a contractor I need some Windex and I need a shovel because there's gray matter and cerebral cortex material from my brain all over the wall behind me from what you just said because that makes perfect sense though yeah wow still one of the best plot twists ever though right yeah. and betsy palmer i mean she just great so. she killed it and she's so believable when she shows up in the jeep and she's friendly and you're like i really feel safe with this woman if that were happening to me no no you don't it's just so uh it's amazing she just passed away recently yeah well i think it's been a few years a few but, was it a few years yeah i never did get to meet her but you know that was her, my question I, also... I thought you did for some reason I did not. I was, you know, I did. I didn't do too many conventions, and then I would start seeing pictures of, people, you know, people with Amy Steele and and Betsy Palmer and Adrian, and I was like, I'm like, I want to meet these people. These these are our icons, and so eventually I started kind of going to conventions. But yeah, uh, uh, and I think I met. I think I met all the final girls, or most, the final girls that I wanted to meet from the the, the series. But I oh, did yeah. not. But obviously, everything you hear about her, she was just like a super sweetheart, and and she just she enjoyed her fans. That was all true. That's what you like to hear too. You've met most of these people, these actresses and actors that were in the Friday the Thirteenth franchise over yeah. the years. All yeah. of your pages have you with them at um, some kind of convention or an outing. 
And some of them don't age. You know, Adrian King. No, like, they don't. She looks about the same. Amy Steele, like, she looks like five years older than she did in 1981. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't age. They yeah. look great too. Um, and uh, 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 Chris from Fire Thirty Part Three, Dana Kimmel, she looks the same. Um, and I think I still talk about uh, Kimberly Beck. So she's my favorite final girl, Trish Jarvis from the final chapter. And, oh yeah. Um, she I, she. She did a convention or two, and I didn't get to meet her. And then I was at the Back to the Future uh, uh, 2015 uh, anniversary screening. And we were kind of at, by the back at the Hollywood Bowl because uh, different actors were coming in for, from the movie. And I, I saw she had big glasses. And I think, I'm like, I think that's Kimberly Beck. And I was all nervous, fangirl, shaking. And I was like, are you Kimberly Beck? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And so... She Wait, was, this was this was after a convention or after a no, no, performance yeah. at the bowl? This was at the Back to the Future 30th anniversary. Uh, uh, they uh, they had a uh, it was a screening of the film, but with a live orchestra, and Christopher Lloyd was there, and uh, all these people, and so um, it was just uh, one of my favorite experiences. I brought my dad because he's a big Back to the Future fan, and and we had front row, and so um, so it's funny with all that night, everything that was going on, I was like. I still went away with like, I can't believe I got to meet Kimberly Beck. That's amazing that she was just there too, like hanging yeah. out. Well, her husband's a, 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 a producer that does pretty well. So he's, yeah, they're pretty connected to the Hollywood scene. Have you ever met Lori Lincoln from seven? I have not. So she's, she's not been at any of the conventions that I've been to. Yeah. I'm wondering if she's even like on the scene anymore at those like conventions. I don't know. Well, now we're in a weird non-convention territory, and uh, we'll see how that would ever get back to what it was. Um, It'll get back. It'll take some time, but that's just human nature, is you want to celebrate things you love and make it safe. And I mean, there's no way not to do that. It's all about money, and people willing to spend money to, to people wanting to put on things of things they love, and you know, it's why we'll always have sports, we'll always have music. It might take a while, but it'll it'll all get back there. It's got to be weird for some of these minor characters. I'm thinking about a few years ago, I went to the convention for Friday the 13th Part 2, and the girl that has the video, she plays with the video game with Mark and stuff like that, and I actually found that exact one. Oh, yeah. Sure, with her, with it, and stuff like that. And I'm like, how weird is it? You know, she probably worked on that film four weeks, decades ago. Oh yeah. People like us go like, "Hey," and like, "I can't believe I'm meeting you." And I'm sure they're like, you know, like, "All right." It was like a little thing I did uh, in the early '80s, and and I don't, I don't know if they quite grasp how much that we remember these people and their performances and their characters. It's amazing. It's something to be said about that. I look at um, the Karate Kid franchise as an example. There's people that haven't acted since they were in the first movie, and you know, there's still people that revere them. And appreciate their work, you know, 30, 40 years later. That yeah. will, we'll, and it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. It just shows you if you can get into that one good movie at the right time, like you're set. Um, my buddy Marty York, he was in the Sandlot. He played Yeah Yeah. He hasn't done really anything since that. He's done he's done movies and acting, but that was that was his thing. And 30 years later, people are still remembering him for this movie. And he doesn't look the same. He was a kid then. Yeah. But you just get in that one movie, and that's it. Like you always have fans, like the set jetter. We all love the set jetter. Well, thank you. So, you can you can watch me age and gain weight over the years, as you can tell by my. Podcast. You haven't really aged. I've seen your your work that you've posted. You said like ten, fifteen years ago. You kind of look pretty much the same. Well, 
Thank you. <laughs> it's that Omaha air. There's no pollution in Omaha. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there is, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, one more thing. Can I bring up something else about the Friday the 13th Blu-ray? Absolutely. I always bring up Friday the 13th on these shows. You can tell me to stop it if you don't want to talk about it. Because I know I bring it up series. a lot. It's an iconic series. It is. I think it's great. Um, how much do you know about this? Do they give you any, like, you don't have to tell me, but do they give you any, like, inside info on the no. Blu-ray when they contacted you? No, actually, yeah, I was literally... Trying to was, weasel something out. Like, yeah, something so, out. no, I was contacted at the tail end of, of, I think they realized they were kind of missing a piece, and that's why I, I literally had a four-hour deadline to to get some pictures in there, and, and even then, um, and that's why I'm, I'm hopefully it still shows up, because I think I told you the blob i did actual whole location video and sony axed it um that they didn't want to use it for one reason or another um for for some waivers that they wanted the 1988 one yeah yeah i went to uh to down in louisiana i went to that small town and yeah a whole video and everything and and shot it and edited it put together and uh sony wanted uh location waivers from every location that i went to and i'm like well that's not gonna happen But anyway, um, so um, yeah, so I, I think it'll it'll make it um, onto this. But uh, sometimes I, if I do a, a Blu-ray extra, I get an advanced copy. But I did not this time. It might be a little too expensive to send. Yeah, out. it's like a hundred and um, I think it's one hundred and thirty bucks. Yeah, but it's worth it for me. It's sixteen discs. It's if you're a fan, it's definitely you must have it as, as I am. Um, yes. Do you get IMDb credits for these for this um, work? I think they should I have do. to. I, I do. I'm, I'm really bad. actually. I have a I have a post-it note to update my IMDb. <laughs> oh, nice. But, um, I think uh, Justin Beam. I think he does add me when I do different certain things. But there's a lot. Of, you know, like sometimes when Sean Clark will work on things, I'll help him, and so I'll get some thank you credits um, on those uh, things as well. So I need to uh, update that so I have some some credibility. Yeah, ho- uh, Halloween. IMDb still operates like an early 2000s, like Zangasai. I just updated mine recently. You still have to like submit 10 things, and if one's wrong, you have to resubmit and right. wait. They, the technology, they never updated their infrastructure because everything's tied together. So it's this like rolling blob um, of like uh, of, of website infrastructure that they like just need to do an overhaul and they're not going to. And so there's, it's wrong like there's wrong information. I get mad. There's wrong information on there too. Like, there's wrong information, and the information is often grammatically incorrect or spelt wrong. And I always like flag that, you know, because I'm kind of anal with that. But there's a lot of it, and it's like ah, somebody just wrote this <laughs> drunk. And there's a lot of uh, I don't know, like, like the trivia on IMDb. There's a lot of facts, quote unquote, that. People are trying to make it sound like a movie tagline. They'll be like, Sean Connery decided he wasn't going to get drunk the third day into the film. He was wrong. And you're like, how is this trivia? Like, what is this? You know, it's, I'm, it's I miss bad. the discussion. The, they used to have discussion yep. for movies. And I know, I think some, somehow that went out of hand or there was hate talk going on or something like that. But I like that because that's where... I mean, I would put stuff like, does anybody know where this is shot at? Or, and people would talk about it. And then that, that's yep. all. So. Those were great. Yeah, they had the boards. And you could like ask questions and discuss. And they just went away. I, th- I think it was spam and like hate talk. Probably trolls. 
we're coming in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the, the website. So it says, yeah, new Finding Friday on location of the Friday the 13th film. So I think that's my thing. All right. So. You've done all of the Friday the 13th films, I believe? Uh, let's see. One, I actually Richard. haven't done one or two. I haven't done the, the East Coast. Every time I want to go to, to Camp Nobisco, I have some conflict that I can't. So. Um, so, but the California ones for sure. So three, four, five, six in Georgia. I haven't done seven in Alabama, um, even though they did use the Jarvis house for, for one scene. Um, I do eight, like that they jumped around. Yeah, eight, uh, Manhattan slash Vancouver. And then nine was uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. Which I did a couple of those locations as well. Yeah, that's yeah. a cool house that, that you got a shot of. Jason X, I don't think there's actually any physical locations. Just get a blue screen and yeah. just be like, here we are. You know, for Leprechaun 3, Leprechaun in Space, I did go to the special effects building. And I did shot you really? That. I was like, you know, if I'm doing the whole Leprechaun series, yeah. I got to have something. You got to have something. You're a completist. And actually, I did go to a couple uh, Friday the 13th, 2009 locations when I was in Texas. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I saw that. I saw yeah. The, Good the job gas, on that too. The gas station, um, that yeah. Trent's house, and then where the OB, cop pulled him over. Uh, where Jared Padalecki is pulled over by uh, the cop. Yeah, actually, that is just a couple blocks away from the Texas Chainsaw Two bridge. Um, oh no way! From the opening Wait, scene, text the original Texas Chainsaw Two. Texas Chainsaw, yeah, where they're the on the radio bridge. station one. Yep, classic. Yeah, that is a classic. Um, but yeah, so yeah, not I wasn't a fan of that remake either. But which one? The Friday the Thirteenth. No. Yeah. Now Jason shouldn't be running super fast at you like he's a zombie. It no. felt like a sped up. Do you remember? It was like they had a the prologue was was like twenty minutes, and then the title oh. came up. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, they really dragged that out, and it, it, they 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 relied on the old. Um, Adage of like, hey, we're just crazy drunken kids having sex and drinking, and let's do it. And that works, and you should do that. But I felt like they relied on that crutch too long, too early on. And yeah. it's like, even the early Friday the 13th, they jumped into it pretty quickly. Yeah. And they yeah. did character development, which was all of the Friday the 13th movies always have the like, the odd job. Like in four, it's Tommy Jarvis. Uh, or the, the early ones, it's the crazy, you know, the crazy guy around town. I forget his name. Um, you know, the the the, the uh, town drunk. Uh, Walt Gorney is his real name. Crazy. Yeah, Ralph. his Yeah, crazy Ralph. Um, seven. They had you know, like the 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 homeless kind of guy that comes in, not homeless, but they, but they always had like an off guy. They didn't really have that in there. They just had like the asshole, and I guess he would have been the guy that gets pulled over. But I don't know. I felt like. Uh, I felt like they could have done it a lot better. Yeah. In so my opinion. Different. Same, but I don't, I don't know. And I don't know. Well, we, we hold our these original movies in a different space in our heads. So I'm, yeah. not, I'm not quite sure how younger generations view this movie. But I, obviously it wasn't a hit with them either. Otherwise, that'd be some sequels. It wasn't. It wasn't, was it? It wasn't a big hit. I would like to hear what the younger generation feels about watching these for the first time. Like, my brother's 24. I'm going to assign him homework and be like, I need you to watch these movies. Um, and I feel like he'll be like, this is terrible. This is terrible. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, but that's cool. 
Uh, is there anything else you want to get into on today's show, Mr. Patterson? Yeah, I think we covered Psycho pretty well, but I, I feel like yeah, maybe we might have to talk about Friday the 13th after we've kind of gone through the, the big set to see. I feel like that's, like you said, it's kind of re-spark some, um, some love for that. Yeah, a lot of love going down with uh, Friday the 13th. And you've never been to the first two. No, no. I think they're, they're going to have a, um, in, around Halloween in a couple of weeks, they're going to have a, another tour and stuff like that. So that camp is, was pretty off limits for a while. And then I really, they realized they could make money. Yeah, um, in Jersey. Yeah, over that. And uh, Stacy and Chris, I think, have been um, coordinating that and getting the actors there and, and kind of having a lot of fun with it, So, which is great for film. I mean, I'm glad they're embracing it. And um, it, it is funny to think, so 1980, what is it, uh, now 40 years since that movie came out? Yeah. And, um, besides horror movies, what other genre or movie would people still flock to and pay big money to be in the middle of this. Uh, and so it, it's amazing to think that... Oh, yeah. That love, when you talk about the love of these movies, just does not die. Yeah, it's like it's like horror movies and Field of Dreams. Those are the two that oh, people yeah. go to a set. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you don't yeah, really see that a lot, and it, no, it'll never make, die. Yeah, people make pilgrimages to the, those places, for sure. Oh, yeah. I've never been to the Friday the 13th sets. I lived... Right across the river from in Jersey, a lot of family there. Been there. I, I should have like taken advantage of that. Taken advantage as a kid, as a teenager. Never, never did. It's something I really like to see because um, it looks pretty much the same, at least from the photos online that yeah. you see. And part two, that that camp is gone. Those building, those buildings where they were, yeah, are long gone. I think I read that Alice's house from part two is now gone as well. So. You, you got to visit them while you can. Otherwise, you got to Alice's house from part two is gone. Remember the prologue that Jason's yeah, walking yeah. up? The, the, so I think the itsy bitsy spider. Yeah, I think I heard that might be gone. So I think you mentioned that before. The um, first one, uh, the town that she's walking through in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, I think it's uh, Blair's town. Yes, looks pretty much the same in a lot of those shots. Yeah, it does. Those like, towns, kind of like Children of the Corn Town. town that, yeah. And there's a lot of towns in Jersey that look like that town. Like, they're river towns, and it's, like, old infrastructure from, like, the 20s or even earlier. And then you see, like, the buildings are all old, and there's just, like, little things they'll update or, like, you know, remodel. But they yeah. pretty much look the same. Like, I grew up in one of those towns, and it's just an old town. And there might be, like, nice TVs inside and, like, cool... Um, furnishings on different parts of the building, but they're really like these old structures that don't really, they don't change. People don't like change in those towns for better or for worse people. They can't change the infrastructure that those buildings, you just don't, you, you don't rent. touch it. That's the best you can do. So. It's like Omaha. It's uh, it's because uh, Omaha is a lot of those places. Uh, town, a lot of those Omaha places. likes to tear things down quite a bit. So do they really? Oh yeah. So there, there's a lot of <laughs> downtown that they tear down and put up stuff. Like, oh. Just like they do in LA, you know, they they tear down some stuff that you wish they would keep for sure. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we can we can put tonight in the W column if that if that works for you. Sounds good. We can uh, jump into Friday the Thirteenth on the next. We can do a proper episode maybe after the um, bootleg come bootleg. I'm buying the bootleg tonight. You know, you know what I'm googling tonight. No, I mean after we purchase the officially licensed merchandise and product. From 
yes. distribution company. Well, giving them money. Um, but yeah, so that'll be good. Um, we can talk about Halloween, maybe depending on what time of year it is, and then and then at some point you need to do your Elm Street homework, and we'll we'll get into that series. Maybe tonight I'll start the Elm Street. I just really want to watch Freddy's Dead to see how bad it really is. <laughs> maybe it's aged better. I I don't know. But. Well, hold on, Rob. So yeah. Friday, so Friday, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Is that like your? Friday, like my, I have Friday the Thirteenth. Is that like your thing? Is, I know Halloween's your favorite movie, but is like the Elm Street your your thing? Um, no, I like I I always have Halloween as number one, and then Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday two, and Friday Thirteenth, the uh, number three. As kind of the triad, as as a lot of fans do, that um, I grew up in that era, so it's just like yeah. Um, but I recognize you know Friday Thirteenth obviously had the artistry. And uh, and was kind of the first, and has my, some of my favorite characters. Friday Night Part Two was kind of the spinoff and the slasher uh, series that you know the the blood and guts uh, that kind of came from that. Elm Street Four was also kind of I like the idea of that. That was at the time it was radical. We had just held, had all these physical monsters and stuff, and so it was kind of radical at the time. But um, as slashers were dying, Elm Street kind of put everything off into a, a new new sphere, and then. Then we had all that that kind of changed the landscape because after that, every film had some hallucinogenic uh, <laughs> sequences and and they were done a little yeah. bit kind of in that Elm Street vein. Uh, yeah, they kind of set the bar a little bit with what they were doing, the standard at least. Yeah. So, but, but between those three, whether individual films or series, those those are kind of kind of have it for me. So, did you see American Horror Story 1984? I did. Did you like it? I did not. <laughs> I, I didn't like it either. Yeah. I'll tell you why. And then I, I'm curious what you think. Um, it started off with a lot of promise, and I love the throwback nostalgia. But they did what every American Horror Story does. Is they throw in a third element that doesn't really work. And you're like, all right. It, it, they start off, Ryan Murphy, and I just watched Ratchet, uh, which they, he always starts off super strong. Yeah, just kind of limp to the finish, and I was like, no, nah, they just either ran out of steam or ideas. But, uh, but I was excited because like one nineteen eighty four, that's Elm Street year, Friday thirteenth, the final chapter. That was you know that great horror year, and I thought, oh, he's gonna really kind of capture that. And and I think I told you, I was at Franklin Canyon Reservoir where they shot part Friday thirteenth, part five and four, and I was shooting. Uh, they did Blob was shot there as well. And so when I was going to these locations, they were, were building all these cabins. And I was like, what is this for? And they're like, it's for a commercial. And I'm like, oh, it's not. And it's then, not a commercial. Well, yeah, you don't spend that much money. They, they had cab, built cabins all over uh, the, the park. And oh, cool. I saw a Fox truck drive by, and I'm like, oh, this is American Horror Story. So I took a bunch of pictures, and we, we actually snuck into the, the bathroom set, the shower set. Um, oh, that's so you you posted those, right? I think on Facebook and stuff. I've never done matchups. Uh, I think I saw them somewhere. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so it was kind of neat. And then that's so cool. I think I went back a couple times. One stuff was still there. They re- they built some more stuff because um, they were shooting. And the last time I went back, everything was gone. So they tore everything back down. Oh yeah, good good uh, eye though to be like, no, this this is not for a commercial. Well, I'm I'll, almost always anytime they say commercial. I think that's code for it's a feature film that uh, we don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a commercial. It's a commercial. Because if it's commercial, people are like, "Oh, that's not fun," and you know, 
but I'm like, they're not spending this much on a uh, no allergy commercial in the woods or something. Yeah, right. That's so cool. Are you ever going to do an entry on that, or was it not? That wasn't your purpose for being I, there. Well, I think uh, I, the thing is, like, I was excited to get all these pictures or whatever, and then the series kind of, you know. So I was like, oh, but but I want to because you know where the gates to the camp. Uh, to the right of there is the the outhouse from Friday the 13th Part Five. You know that's where the the trailer court was supposed to be. So it's all oh, yeah. it's all intersected. You know, um, Sleepwalker yes. was shot on that same same thing. Freddy's Dead was shot in Franklin Canyon Reservoir Park. So uh, oh right 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 yeah you talked about you you made the the connection there. Andy Griffith show. Have you so there's a lot of horror history uh, at that park. Mayberry. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, all right, well, we can, we can put tonight in the W column. This has been a, this has been a great Set Jetter Saturday here on the podcastle. Don't forget to go to uh, set-jetter.com and check out Robert on Instagram, at Set Jetter. Um, and this has been another entry into the, the podcastle uh, anthology here with you that, that I admire very much. I appreciate all the work you do and your time for coming on the show, sir. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the love right back, so... We could go on for eight to ten hours. So. Oh, easily. We'll have to do a marathon one time, like 24 Whatever hours. Tweet us at the underscore podcastle and check out all the shows for free on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Roku, uh, as well recently on Buzzsprout. I'm Matthew Clark with Robert Patterson. Thank you for listening to Set Jetter Saturday, and good night.